So it's, uh, it's Easter Sunday, in case you didn't hear. And uh, we've been leading up to this Sunday with a kind of a sermon series called Famous Last Words. And it was basically the, the last words of Jesus as he hung on the cross. We began when he said, um, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And we went on to the next one where he was talking to one of those who was being crucified with him when he told him, uh, today you will be with me in paradise. And then we talked about where Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what he could have meant when he, when he said those words. Last week, we ended with those final words, It is finished. And, uh, and then today, we're picking up from there with the title of, It is finished, but it ain't over. Okay, and like the famous Yogi Berra once said, It ain't over till it's over. So, yes, Jesus said it's finished, but it, it, it ain't over. And, of course, Easter is all about celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, that which followed his death on the cross. According to 1 Corinthians 15, without the resurrection, nothing else matters. He says everything we do, what we believe, what we preach, if the resurrection doesn't happen, it doesn't, none of it matters. And what's exciting is we get to participate in the resurrection when we're united at the Lord. And that happens when we're baptized. At Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 3, and it goes on to verse 11, but basically Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, he says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized uh, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? He says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And then he goes on to say, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we get to be united with him in his resurrection. So it's not just the resurrection of Jesus, but we can participate. We can join and be united with that resurrection. That's why, you know, on the day of Pentecost, the first church service, if you will, uh, in Acts chapter 2, and Peter's preaching to everybody, and they say, you know, hey, Peter, brother, what do we do? Because they realized they were lost and messed up. And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Later, we have a guy named Ananias, who's talking and teaching Saul, the Saul who later would become the Apostle Paul, uh, teaching him what he needs to do, and he tells him, what are you waiting for? In Acts twenty-two sixteen, what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized and wash your sins away. And the thing is, is the point about getting baptized, it's, it's not that the, the baptism, you know, what does that have to do with it? Well, if we understand, it's because it unites us with Jesus. It's where we're united with the death and the burial and the resurrection, like Paul pointed out. Without Jesus, baptism doesn't mean anything. It's all with Jesus. I just need to be united with Jesus. And that's what's exciting. I can actually be united with Jesus in his resurrection. Now we're going to look at two basic passages. We're going to kind of walk through them this morning. The first one's in Ephesians chapter 1. And this is where it talks about it. Just, it's exciting that I get to participate in the resurrection. Because you see, so many times we talk about the resurrection and the Lord and the tomb is empty. And all of that is very true and awesome. But it's more than just a great event that happened to Jesus. He says, you and I 
can actually participate in this. Now, in Ephesians 1, we're going to start out in verse 18. He says, I pray, now this is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's saying, I want you to get this, guys. I want you to understand this. I want you to really get this in your heart. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the glorious riches of his inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for those who believe. Now, this is an awesome start, right? He says, you get to believer, disciple of Jesus, Christian. You have hope. Hope is good. Then he moves on. It's not just hope. You get riches. Riches are good. Okay. Not only riches, a glorious inheritance. Not just an inheritance. A glorious. It's kind of like that rich uncle you never knew you had and he left you you know, $500 million. I mean, that's a glorious inheritance, right? Whatever, come on. I love you. He was my favorite. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then he says, the incomparably great power of God. He says, you can't even compare it. I, I, I've read some articles lately, you know, I read up something. And uh, there's a whole big article on Mount St. Helens, you know, and the explosion of Mount St. Helens that happened back in the 80s. It was the the most powerful natural disaster in American history. More, more power was, you know, they were comparing it to thousands of, you know, atomic bombs, or they were comparing more powerful than Katrina, the hurricane, was the explosion that happened, because we always like to compare. How powerful was it? But this power for the believers, is, there's nothing to compare it to. There's nothing that you can really stay and talk to that will help you to understand it. So he wants all Christians to know this and understand this. So let's, let's pick back up here. Verse 19, that sentence there. He says, that power, that incomparable power, it says the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. That power, which you can't compare to anything else, he says, this power, that brings life out of death. Now, we get, get close sometimes. We can, really, we don't get close. We can kind of bring somebody back to life, but they can't be dead too long. Because if you're dead too long, if things don't function too long, it, it, you're, you're gone beyond being brought back. That's not what he's talking about here. We're talking about power that takes something that's dead and gone beyond any, uh, uh, you know, bringing back, and resuscitation brings life out of that. That power that goes from death to life, victory over the thing every one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, fear the most, death. That is the power that we get to share because of God. That same power, he goes, that's what's in you. He says he seats Christ at the heavenly realms, verse 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is invoked far above that not only in this present age but also in the age to come and then when you jump down to chapter 2 verse 6 he ties it all up when he says and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms See, because Jesus was raised from the dead we too can be raised from the dead both spiritually and physically I physically now, Romans 8 gets all into this. We get the body, and it comes back, and I don't understand how, how it works, you know, because he, 
You know, we've talked about this before. Your body gets to be renewed, and you say, well, which one do I get? Because I'm 54. I, I want my 21-year-old body if I get a choice. If you're going to give me one, I want that one. I don't know how God works at all. But, you know, you get that, but there's also somehow a, a spiritual resurrection. And, and what he says here is his, he's talking in, in chapter 2, verse 6, present tense. You know, God raised us up with Christ and seated us. Present and past tense. It's happened. How does that work? I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I think, how does it, you know, I mean, because I'm here, right? How am I seated there? Maybe it's kind of like God goes, hey, your, your place is reserved. It's there. There's a chair with your name on it. I love, I get a little secret here. When we go to a restaurant, but Phillips gets there about five, ten minutes before I do, so that when I walk in, I just get to walk right to my table and sit down. I don't have to wait in line. I don't have to say, two, please, wait, wait, wait. I don't know. It I just makes me feel important. I, I just, you know... <laughs> But don't you know, don't you hate to go to a res restaurant and go, uh, reservation for Lar? And they go, I'm sorry, you're, you're not on the list. I like to just walk in. Oh, your table is ready. Maybe that's what he means. Maybe like, you know, when, when you get joined with Christ in the resurrection, your chair's there, baby, when, you know, as soon as that end time comes or that whatever, and you, you buy that, 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 that you, your reservation is set. You don't have to wait in line. You don't have to do any of that stuff. We're not going to give you a buzzer. You can come to heaven now. Whatever. You, you just go right in and have a seat. I, I don't know what it means, but I think this is awesome. I get to do this. I'm, he's not only raised Jesus from the dead and seated him. He goes, you too are raised from the dead and you're seated with him. Wow. Now, if this is true, and I think it is, okay, what effect would that have on me today? What's the so that? If that's true, and if I believe that so that, what, and what I mean by that is, what's the purpose of it? What effect does it have on me? Number one, Jesus died and was raised again to provide a sacrifice and therefore forgiveness of sins. I understand that. I got that one. But also what it means is number two is that we would live a new life. And, and Josh kind of uh, 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 hinted about that in John 10. You know, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. I don't think Jesus was talking about this life. But we should live a new life because it is finished, but it ain't over. And that's where it brings us to today. It is finished was Jesus' last words on the cross. He meant the sacrifice, the payment for the sin, the atonement is done. But the it ain't over part, that's for you and me. That's for us. Now, many people will point out quickly, well, oh, you can't do anything to earn God's love or earn God's forgiveness, and there's nothing you can do to earn God's mercy and grace, and that is absolutely true. It is all in Jesus. However, that doesn't mean it's all over and that there's nothing expected of me. It may be finished, but it ain't over. I've got something to do. Now, let's go to our next passage, and we're going to walk through this one together. And this was in Colossians 3. It's another letter that Paul wrote to another church. This one in the city of Colossae. And we're going to break it down and walk through this one and find out what does it mean. What is expected of me? Because I'm now united with Jesus, right? That resurrection, it changed everything, not just in my salvation, but it needs to change me even now. Now, we begin in verse 1 of chapter 3. 
Since then you have been raised with Christ. Okay, we've already talked about that. When we're raised with Christ. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Now Paul says that the believer's got to develop a, a heavenly mindset. An understanding a, 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 a resurrected position. I'm in a resurrected position. What does that mean for me? And that means when, when we choose to be baptized, when we choose to be united with Jesus in his death and his burial and his resurrection, we choose more than just forgiveness of sins. That comes with it because we're united with Jesus, but it also says I died with him and I was raised with him to a new life. A resurrected life. When I choose union with Jesus, I choose what's important to him is now important to me. What his will is is now my will. What his desire, his agenda is now mine. So he says, set your hearts. Now this is an interesting phrase. It's a continual thing. Matter of fact, the King James Version basically interprets it the best here, which they do rarely, but it says to seek Things above. It's a constant thing. If you're not actively seeking things above, then you won't be thinking in a resurrected manner. What Paul said in, in Romans 12, 2, when he said, look, uh, uh, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Remember that? He said, be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Set your hearts on things above. And then that next one, he says, you know, set your hearts. Our hearts are naturally not set on things above. Our hearts are naturally set on the here and now, right? Give me an A on this next exam, Lord. Help me get into grad school. Help me get this promotion. Help me with this health problem. Help my day go better, easier, safer, lighter, whatever. I'm focused on the here and now. And we pray to God, and God becomes really only a means to our desire. James chapter 4 verse 3 says that when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasure. The, uh, the contemporary English version puts it, yet when you pray, your prayers are not answered because you pray for your own selfish reasons. And that's what we say. I'm not, I'm not saying that praying for my own what I want is a bad thing. But to the born again person, that one who truly has the resurrected perspective. Minds set on things above, or hearts set on things above. They're set on what the Spirit desires. And ultimately, they want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all of my desires are secondary to that. Yes, God, and I often pray this. I say, God, your will be done. Now, if you want my opinion, I would like to see this happen. This would really be awesome. But I understand that that might not be in your plan. You know, that's more of the, the uh, uh, mindset. I feel like that resurrected perspective says, because I want what God wants, not just what I want. But I've also got to be thinking, what does God want? The desires of the redeemed should and must become that, the desires that the Spirit of God has. And this is not something that happens by accident. It only happens through deliberate effort, 
self-discipline, focus. It only happens through spiritual training. We'll get to that in a moment. Let's keep back to Colossians 3. Uh, Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Set it at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Set your heart and mind on things above, what we want and what we think about. Why? Because he says in verse 3, because you died. He brings us back to that being with Jesus in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. Because you died. Jesus is not the only one who is supposed to die, be buried, and raised again. If you've been baptized into Christ, you too have known. You too should even know, yes, I was to die to myself. Die to my sin. And to be raised to a new life. And it's more than just a new life that's forgiven or a new life that's redeemed. It's a new life with a new way of thinking. It's a new life with a, a new way of living. It's more than just gimme, 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 forgiveness, forgiveness, redemption. I mean, that's good, amen? It's there. But it's more than that. It's a new way of thinking and a new way of living. And then he says in verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears you will also appear with him in glory jesus is now your life jesus is not just somebody you sing about on sunday morning even though we sing about him on sunday morning jesus is not just somebody you talk about when you come to church even though we do that he's your life everything you are whether you're retired or just starting out and you're going you just started college You're trying to figure out what direction do I want to go, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're a parent, uh, or or whether, you know, whatever your situation is. He's your life. It reminds me of another verse in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And he says, the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, he he took that almost literally, I mean, even he wasn't crucified with Christ, obviously. But he says, no, 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 no. I have been crucified. I died with him. And I no longer live. He lives in me now. The life I live in my body, I live by faith in him. He calls the shots. See, it was finished. But Paul said, it isn't over because Jesus goes on, but he goes on in you and I. This takes effort. This takes training. This takes encouragement. It takes help. Because as I said, when he said it's finished, but I'm still alive. I've been crucified with Christ, but I'm still, I'm here. What do I do? It's Jesus has got to live in me. I've got to live my life. How do I do that? Well, fortunately, he tells us. We keep reading. Verse 5, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is uh, is coming. He goes, guys, you used to walk in this ways, in the life that you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these. Anger, rage, 
malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. As someone who's been a follower pretty much his whole life, even when I was like Caleb, who was brought up on stage, at that age, I began going to church, you know, like him. My whole life. One thing I have learned that what we just read, that's a whole lot easier said than done. Okay? Have you, have you learned that with me? Hey, it's, my earthly nature, my sinful nature, it's strong. It's attracted to those things. It wants those things. And it has a powerful pull on me. For me to put it to death, that's not a one-time thing. It's not like, okay, I've done it. I'm done. Ha -ha. It's, 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 it's a constant thing. It's a daily thing. It's not even a once-a-day thing. It's a daily thing. And even as Paul was talking here in the church at Colossae, these were disciples, these were Christians, and he's still telling them, put these things to death. It's not the first time they'd heard it, I'm sure. But it's the things that they have. How do I put it to death? Well, first of all, I mean, it does start with a decision. It's not a one-time decision and then you're done with it, because that never works. It's kind of like saying, I'm going to get into shape. I've decided, okay. <laughs> yeah, doesn't do it. you got to do something, right? It ain't over, right. It's a decision to get on a direction, on a path. But then you've got to get on that path, and you've got to get spiritual help. It's got to get that spiritual training, that self-discipline. I have found you've got to have spiritual group and people around you to help you. If you don't, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. That's why we've, we've got new things we're starting here in the church. Next Sunday, uh, we're starting a, a spiritual maturity class. Now, this is a class... Meeting uh, uh, nine, third, nine, 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 nine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nine thirty. It says nine in my notes, and I knew that wasn't right. It threw me off. It is nine thirty. Doesn't matter. You're not coming to that class, Reuben, because because this is a special class for anybody who's been baptized any time in the past two years. Okay. And we should have been doing this a long time ago, and I apologize that we haven't been. But we, you know, when we started talking about, you know, what does someone need to know to become a Christian, we realized that there's a whole lot of stuff a person needs to grow in and mature in to help understand how do I put these things into, how do I do this in my daily life. And so we're starting this spiritual maturity class for, again, anyone, if you're sitting here, you're listening, I've been baptized in the past two years, that's you. It's to strengthen and help. Basically what it is, is it's four different courses, classes. Each one of them is nine weeks long, and we're going to do one now, one in the fall, one in the spring of next year, and one in the fall of next year. So it's spread out over two years. Okay? In the meantime, you're also going to get guides for daily quiet times for a full year. Plus, you and the person in your life that, that we, we, we call them discipleship partners, somebody call them mentors, some people call them, it doesn't matter to me what you call them, it's that person that's there to help you 
and just be with you and encourage you. They get things to help each week get together and even discuss your quiet time and a guide to help them. Why? Because we know to do these things, it takes discipline, it takes focus, it takes getting on a path, it takes spiritual training, it takes other people in our lives, it takes that group around us. So we're starting that for all of those who sometime between now and, and two years ago, say, okay, um, 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 it's a spiritual maturity class. And if you're wondering, should I be in that class, ask me and we'll clear it up. There's another one starting next Sunday as well. We're calling this a spiritual discovery class. Okay? That's the only thing I could find. <laughs> this really kind of is, it, it is for all of our guests and anyone who says, I, you know what, I need to know what, what is next on my journey. Maybe I hadn't been to church in a long time. I don't know. I feel like I need to get back. I feel like... These passages that, that the preacher was talking about, yeah, I do need to get serious about how I live my life. I need to live that resurrected life. But what does that technically mean? Now, this is only a four-week class. This is just to evaluate yourself and help. Where, what do I need to do? Where do I need to go? Josh is going to be teaching this class. And that starts next week at? 9.30. Thank you, 9.30. <laughs> what does spiritual discipline really look like? What what practically does it mean to have my heart and mind set on things above? Now, if you want to be in this class, we need to know basically who you are. So in the pews right there, there's, there's little cards that say digging deeper. All we need is your name and your email. I want to encourage you to fill it out now. Because in just a few minutes, when I'm done, Josh is going to come. He's going to talk about contribution. We're going to pass the plate. Feel free to put anything in you want to. As far as money is concerned, because we're a church, we'll take your money. But <laughs> more importantly, I want you to be a part of this spiritual discovery class. You got nothing to lose. Again, it's to help you figure out what does this really mean in my life? What does it mean for me? Put that card, fill it out right now, and put it in the contribution plate when it goes by. That way we'll be able to collect. Josh knows, okay, we've got five people coming, we've got eight people coming, whatever. Fill that out. And if you're currently even studying the Bible, that class is for you as well. Because some people are in Bible studies with different people. It's the best way we know how to help a person on that journey. And it's basically the way someone helped us on the journey as we opened up the Bible together. See, when we talk about the resurrection, and a lot of people are talking about the resurrection today, talk about the resurrection on Easter. And it is true, and many times in the past we've had special services and we've had special music, or we've had different things that focused on Jesus raising from the dead. And that is, uh, I, I please, I do not want to minimize that message in any way. But this Easter, I said, you know what, we're going to jump not just from Jesus raising from the dead, we're going to talk about us being united with that resurrection. What does that technically really mean for me to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus by celebrating my resurrection from an old life to a new life. And how that works. His mission was finished, but ours is just beginning. Now, you may have come to church today because it's Easter and mom and daddy wanted you to come to church, or I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of us do that uh, in different holidays or whatever, but I want you to say maybe God's trying to say something more to you. Maybe He's saying, you know what? What have you got to lose? 
What does it mean to be raised with Christ to a new life? What does it mean to be seated with him in the heavenly realms? What does it mean to have hope, glory, riches, glorious inheritance? The incomparably great power that raised Jesus from the dead can be in my own life. You don't know my life. My life is messed up. My life is horrible. My life is bad. My life is full of sin. But God got enough power to even raise your life. That's how much power there is. Join him in living a new life. And join us in finding out what that new life is. For those of you, again, baptized in the past two years, your spiritual maturity class, as you will continue to learn that spiritual discipline, the spiritual habits, the training and the strengthening and growing in the Lord. And then those, again, our guests, uh, the spiritual discovery class. Again, sign up, fill it out. The trays are coming in just a few minutes. And then everybody else said, what about us? There's a class for you too, okay? That's, Cam Zendars is going to be teaching that one. All right, and that was called about life in the family, and that basically talks about the, the, the church and being with one another. That's also at 9.30. All of that starts next Sunday as we continue on our journey of living a resurrected life, a resurrected life made possible by the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to encourage you, have a great Easter. Spend time with family and friends or whatever plans you got. We're, we're going to go spend time with our kids and grandkids uh, later this afternoon. Enjoy your time. But let's remember not only Jesus who raised from the dead, but the resurrected life he calls us all to live with him. Amen.